Hi everyone, this is Jeff. And this is Russ. When we first started Home on the RNG, we began it as a series of videos, and we produced quite a few before we realized it really works better as a podcast. Whoops-a-doodle. So we apologize if any of these early episodes have any visually heavy references that don't transfer to the audio medium. Whoops-a-doodle. Thanks for listening. Special treat here today. I know, right? This is this feels surreal. It feels surreal. And in fact, you know what? I think we're even going to switch up the format of the show just a tiny bit because oh, no. of it. Because today we're talking about a game that came out for us two months ago, mm-hmm. at most. Uh, I think it might actually just been one month, somewhere in there. We're talking about Octopath Traveler for the Nintendo Switch. Brand new JRPG. Brand new, new series. We both wanted to play it, mm-hmm. so we thought, what the hell, let's just do a review when we play it. Yeah. It's a shame we can't do that for Dragon Quest Eleven when it comes out in a couple weeks. Well, we can. No, because we haven't reviewed Dragon's Quest 3 through 9. You and your rules. You. I want to experience the story in the order the creators gave it to me. I have a deep respect for creators. You have a lot of rules. There are two rules. There are two rules for Home on the RNG. But when one of the rules is suffer through something shitty. <laughs> so we, play, can... we play games in a franchise in order, and we don't play two games from the same franchise in, the, in a set of ten games. That way we don't end up with what we've almost actually had this set of ten. We've had four Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy games. games. But none of them were canonical, mainstream Final Fantasies, right? Yeah. I mean, we had a, a Tactics, a Mystic Quest, a Legends. Those aren't real Final Fantasy games. Anyway, so we're doing Octopath Traveler. Now, since Octopath Traveler just came out, right. I don't see a point in us sitting down and doing personal history. No, that correct. Yeah. So... As real it as it's going to be. It was 3 p.m. on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I heard some news on Kotaku.com about a new JR. Yeah, no. It's it's a little weird, but it's not possible for us to have personal history. It just came out. Our personal history is maybe the same. Maybe I do have personal history. I got it, maybe, but it was released, and I played it. Maybe I'm a time traveler, and I have played all nine Octopath Traveler games. I don't know why. Why would there be nine? Yeah, I know. There should only be eight. I've played... I've played it since it became Nonopath Traveler. Uh, now, you actually played the demo, didn't you? I did. I played both demos. Yeah. The first demo was just playing the warrior and the dancer. Okay. Um, and you could play through... And there were changes. There were definitely changes between that and what we originally got. And then the second demo was where you could play for three hours or something of any of the eight characters that you wanted. You could play their first chapter, basically, and then the and then the, the timer cut you off. 
three hours, but that was enough to do their first chapter and maybe explore a little bit. But there were like restricted areas. Okay. So that was it. That was your personal history, and we didn't yes. have a title card. Yeah. There's no. So uh, we're, we'll do the rest of the show as normal. But I just, it was gonna be silly to sit here and shoot Russ going. Yep. Got Back it two in months 1992, ago. I had a dream about a game. So instead, we will move into story and characters. This one's going to be even more generic than Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. Yeah, I, weirdly, yes. Eight unique heroes, all pursuing their own personal stories, come together to help each other. Yeah. The end. That is, that is it. Yeah, it is, um, it is, so... It is a character-driven game. It's a character-driven game. It is also a JRPG where they have... And again, I, it's weird because in our Mystic Quest review, I said this in a kind of a negative way, even though I had fun with it, where they have stripped the very concept of the JRPG kind of to its bare skeleton. For the storytelling aspect, I, I guess I could see yes. that. Yes. I mean, so for those of you who aren't familiar with this, here's how it works. Octopath Traveler has eight main characters. You pick one to start with. Each of these eight main characters has their own personal story divided into four chapters. You have to play your character's first chapter. You have to. Right. Once you do that, the world opens up to you. The map shows you where all the other characters are. You can travel to one of those cities recruit them into your party and start doing their story as well. Then you travel to, you can have four in your party at a time, but you can have all eight with the four as backups. Mm -hmm. And they progress their the stories. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's the basic mechanic. Now, without coordinating this, Russ and I picked almost all eight. We did. We did. Yeah. Uh, we overlapped the thief. Yeah, we overlapped. Because the thief was I... my primary character. Uh, and then you went south. And Russ started with the and merchant. And I started north. with the merchant who's on the other side. Because all the, we went like this. The world is in a ring. So there's kind of like three rings. All the beginning stories are on the first ring of this world map. And then you expand to the second and the third. So I started like over here with the merchant. And then I went north. And I got the scholar and the... I got the cleric, but I skipped her. I didn't really use her in my main party. And I got the hunter and the thief. And then you got the thief. The apothecary, south. the dancer, and the warrior. That was my primary party. Yeah. And so I know we made it sound super generic, and it is. There is nothing, well, I can't say nothing. There is, after you beat all eight character stories, there is a special dungeon that very loosely ties a couple of the character stories together. Not all of them, but a few. But for the most part, what most people are going to experience is this is eight completely separate stories of eight people. They don't tie together, which is a pain and that point would be, for me. Is a plot for you? A pain point. It's, okay. It's, I don't. Right. I wish they had tied them all together, but the character stories themselves are decent. They are decent, and I don't mind that they're not tied together. What I want, what I wanted, mm -hmm. is that once you have your party of four that at least those other characters are in cutscenes. That's what was most jarring for me, is that like I picked the merchant as my main, main character, so for example, as I'm doing each chapter of her story, even though I've got these other three people traveling with me, 
the whole narrative is playing out like she's alone. Yeah, when you're doing her chapters, yeah. the cutscenes are for and her. And I'm like, they should, like, what prevented them from just having the other three characters stand there and each do like a one-liner? I mean, they were doing that back on the Super NES. So that was what was bothersome to me about it. Now, we're not going to go into detail about all eight of the character arcs, but I do want to talk about them, some of them, a little bit. Uh, for example, I was surprised at the maturity present in these stories, especially, I'm going to take Primrose, the dancer story as an example. I was shocked at what they allowed on a Nintendo system yeah, for they Primrose. Did. They did. It is, yeah. her story is rough. She was a noblewoman whose father was killed, and she's hunting down the people who killed her dad, and to do that, she has basically secreted herself into a, a hive of scum and villainy, because she knows the bad guys are going to come through sooner or later. All the bad guys come through yeah. this place. So she sells herself as a dancer, and it's very clear that she's forced into prostitution as well. Right. The game very blatantly points out that she is forced to perform oral sex on the boss. Yeah, it's very... I'm like, wow, Nintendo... Whoa. But, uh, but that's not the only thing I mean in terms of maturity. There's a this is this is a spoiler for the thief storyline. I'm sorry, but I'm going to spoil one of the storylines. Spoilers. Part of his story is dealing with he had a comrade, he had a friend who betrayed him, and near the end of his story, he encounters that friend, and that friend is seen to be betraying his current crew as well. This guy, this is what this guy does. He just betrays everybody around him. The end of that character storyline is he decides, okay, screw this, I'm taking all my money, and I'm just going to go start over somewhere else, because that's what I do. And as he's doing that, his current crew comes up on him, and he's like, great, guys, help me move this. And his crew betrays him. And they stab him, they take his money, and he lies there bleeding out, and as he's bleeding out, he calls out to the, main, the thief main character, basically saying, come help me, come save me. The thief character does not hear these cries, and does not come to his rescue. And I feel yeah. like in any Nintendo game right. from the Super Nintendo era and younger, the the thief character would have come and saved him at yeah, the last minute. Right. Would have had to. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some points, if the thief character had heard him and chose not to help him, well then now maybe he's a jerk. You know, now there's some debate. But he didn't even hear he it didn't and hear didn't that. show up. Which is fine. It shows a maturity to the story in that look. It's not all happy endings. Not all people are 100% sweet. Like, he, the thief is doing the right things. But it doesn't mean that everybody comes out smelling like roses. And I liked that. Yeah. The, the character stories are really good. Mm -hmm. The Apothecaries and it doesn't deliver as much for me as I'd like. And not all of the stories are great. But they are solid. Yeah. I liked them. I liked Tressa the Merchant. Talk I mean, about hers a little just, bit. Hers was just her. I liked her. I, I I'm glad <coughs> I picked her because hers is you know from my taste in anime. God of just girls doing their best. 
<laughs> just living their best lives. <laughs> Being their best selves. And that's what Tressa was. I mean, she she starts out, she's an aspiring merchant, her parents are merchants, she's the she's the youngest. That's another thing. She's the she's eighteen. Yep. And she's the youngest of all of the cast. So yes. we're not talking about a bunch of teenagers. The cast ranges from like twenties through forties. Yeah. Except for Tressa who's eighteen. Except for Tressa who's eighteen, and she sets out on her own to to explore the world, her introductory quest is where she meets this traveling merchant who used to be a pirate, and then she can take one thing from his ship, and she ends up taking this diary, and it inspires her to travel around the world. Um, and her storyline is, it's not as like deep or mature or whatever some of the other ones, but it is just about her, like her doing her best and learning life lessons, which is my, which is my perfect, um, kind of story there and there's and there's not deep twists but there's enough twists along the way to keep like you say the the personal stories are good there's enough twists to keep things interesting i feel like almost any one of the character stories could have been worked out a little bit to become the the actual main story of a jrpg yeah, right right and i mean that as a good thing like there's enough meat to each story that it mm -hmm. could have stood on its own the biggest problem I have with the stories is actually the mechanics of going through them. It's extremely yeah. repetitive. It's very repetitive. It's All eight characters have four chapters. Each chapter of each character is accomplished by walking into the town that's marked on the map, mm -hmm. there's some talky bits, go through a dungeon, fight the boss, talky bits, chapter done. Right. Exactly that formula eight times four times. Yeah. So, you so what is that, 32? 32 times. 30, you do that exact same thing 32, 32 times, times to progress the story. The stories are great. The mechanics for progressing the story are extremely formulaic and after a while, not interesting. Yeah. They're very repetitive. Yeah. So, that's what I've got for stories and characters. Uh, I, I mean, I don't want to go into detail about every character story. So, no, I'm going to save that for innovation. I have my my fa my favorite part of the game kind of ties into this, but it's going to be on. I have a feeling I know what it is. So I'm yeah. sure you do. Yeah. So let's go ahead and move into the combat system. Yeah. The combat system is actually fairly complex. It is complex, and it's really fun. I thought it was really fun. It turns every combat, even the random encounters into strategic. Like, you can't yeah. just autopilot this game. No, you cannot. You're Absolutely constantly not. thinking and strategizing, and I mean that as a positive. Mm -hmm. I can see where that might be a negative for some people, but I, I saw it as a positive. It keeps you engaged, but I also think it's not... Once you get in the... It has a good rhythm, and once you get in the rhythm of it, it's not so complicated that you're, like, racking your brain over strategy. Yeah. It just... It keeps you engaged. I mean, it's it, it makes it makes grind even grinding maybe kind of fun because you're you're engaged in it. You're not mindlessly pressing the A button or whatever. So the layout is early Final Fantasy esque. Here's your heroes. Here's your villains. Uh, at the very top is a bar that very clearly shows you the turn order. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. You see who's going at which order in this turn and the next one, so you can strategize. And you know what I love because I love games that do this, 
you can defend, you can strategically use the defend command to manipulate the turn order. Yeah, and I'll if you defend, you go first that. the next round. Yes. So, yeah, there is an advantage to defending. Um, the game contains XP, which levels you up like normal, and JP, job points, because there is a job system. Love job system. Um, we'll talk about some of the job system here, I guess, and some of the innovations. Yeah. There's, there's, well, no, we'll just, you, you earn the job points, we'll talk about the system and innovation, why bother breaking it up, but you earn job points separately than XP. Also, there are qualifying things, depending on how well you beat the battle, that give you boosts. If you beat all of the enemies in the first round of combat, I believe it boosts how many job points you get because you dominated. Mm -hmm. If you beat all of the enemies without taking a single hit, you get more experience because you were untouchable. Or no, sorry, it's... That's money. You get more money because you were untouchable. Yeah. And if you break an enemy's defenses, which you always will, almost, yeah. then you get uh, broken and you get extra XP. And that is the best part of that battle system to me, is breaking the enemies. Yes. Every enemy has a certain it has level of two, shield. Well, one to five yeah. weaknesses. They're weak against specific types of magic or specific weapons. Specific elements or weapon types, yeah. And your characters have a lot of characters. The Apothecary starts out with just one type of weapon. But as you add job classes, characters have access to like four or five, sometimes all weapons yeah. in one case. So you just sideways, no, I don't want to use the dagger, sideways, okay, he'll attack with yeah, the Yeah, you always have like one of every weapon equipped. Like if your character can use five different weapons, then you have like five different weapons equipped. Yep, and you just you sideways cycle to cycle yeah. through which one you want to hit with, hit the enemy's weakness. Every enemy has a little shield that says a number in it. Once you you, hit, you hit their weakness that many times, they lose all of their t they lose their turn for the current turn, and they won't get a move in the next turn phase. And they're super weak to hits. And do you know how satisfying it is to hear the sound of that shield breaking? It is great. I mean, talk about like incidental sounds that that you talked about like in Final Fantasy Tactics, Tactics the like the, noise. yes that noise there is like something about that shield breaking oh, I'm just it's like yes it's happening every time I am winning this game and um, and you and you do that and the other system that I liked talking about manipulating the defend command is the stock because you gain the stock points the brave points the brave the BP whatever you call it yes the BP for your character and then you can you can um, like execute up to four physical attacks at one time by using those BP, or you can like power up your magic and your special abilities up to a level four or whatever. Every round, you're every, at the start of every round, all of your characters get BP, provided they didn't use any BP the previous round. Right. That which sounds complicated, I don't know. If you use any BP, you don't get a free one the next round. But it's not. It's not complicated once you're no. in the middle. You of can it. stockpile up to five without using them. Once you hit five, that you're maxed out on BP. You can use up to three at a time. If you use three BP on a regular attack, your character will jump out and attack four times, four which times. is great yeah. for working through shields and defenses. If you use three BP or one or two but you pick a special ability or a spell, it's just that much more powerful right. for the most part. Um, and in order to use your character's ultimate job abilities, you have to use three. It's called a divine ability. Mm -hmm. 
They're a little hit and miss on how useful they are. Well, they are. Some of them are really All, I used Ulbrecht's, the warriors. I used his non-stop in boss fights. In fact, for me, the whole point of boss fights was feeding BP to Ulbrecht so he could just keep <laughs> using his divine ability. That's it. All my characters were there to feed him BP. Because his ultimate ability can do... It, it's a limit break. Oh, okay. Uh, if you have the proper that, passive so. skill equipped on him, it can do up to 15,000 damage, oh, okay. as opposed to 9,999, which is the default limit. Right. He can do as much as 15,000 if his strength is boosted. Just 15,000. Okay, feed him more VP, 15,000. Feed him more VP, 15,000. And that's handy with the merchant, because she specifically <clears throat> gives people VP. Yeah, she can donate VP, yeah. and then there's items for it. Um, yeah, it's, <coughs> you don't know... This is why I love the battle system. You don't know how satisfying it is, like, fighting a boss, and they get that little purple glow. Oh, yeah. And they're like, the boss is ready to do something really sinister. You know, the next turn, you know, the he next... is going to mess you up. Yeah, it's like one hit kill, but you have all that BP. And well, just I'll just like, hit him do, do, four do. times with an arrow. Like, I'll hit him four times with a sword. Broken. And now you're broken, and we are going to kick the living crap out of you. Albrecht, go. It is a great... <laughs> It is a very, 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 very satisfying <coughs> battle system. Yeah, it is a good combat system. All right. I feel like I'm starting to lose my voice a little bit here. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to innovations while I still have it. And there are a ton, so there's yeah. still a lot to talk uh, about. Let's go ahead and move on to innovations. Maybe the biggest innovation, like the, the thing that they want you to, the gimmick, that's what I'm trying to say, maybe of this game, is the path actions. So each character has the ability to do this special action um, on the world map outside of battle that no other character can do. Um, the merchant, for well, so, okay. There's so, only four real abilities, but there's two right, ways of doing that's it. That's my example. So, because I use the merchant and the thief. Okay, go ahead. So the merchant can has a purchase ability where every NPC in the game that you can talk to has like an inventory of items. Tressa, the merchant, can purchase any of those items for a certain amount of money. Therian, the thief, on the other hand, can steal those items based on probability. Mm -hmm. And that's how each of the actions go. Like... The warrior can challenge NPCs that you can talk to to a duel. And they they have to accept. And they have to accept. And it's based on his level. Yes. So, he, so like, based on his level, he maybe can't challenge this person because they're too strong. But if they're under or, like, equal to his level, then they always accept. And then he fights them directly. I forget the term that they use, but it's basically... There's the good version of the skills, and there's the the, the slightly there's the noble and the rogue. Okay. The no and all of the noble actions are tied 100 to a character's success. level as long. Yeah, one hundred percent success if the character is highly leveled. The all rogue of the rogue side. actions are probability based. You can chal like, like for example, Hannah the hunter. She can challenge characters to. She can provoke characters into duels, and she can provoke anybody. She can provoke like the strongest NPCs in the game, but it can fail. But if she loses, you, you lose reputation in the town. Oh, I didn't know that's yes. how that one works. So, so what it works with the rogue actions is that 
if you if you if you're like the thief and you steal and you fail, then you lose a reputation point in town. And after you lose something like five reputation points, you can't interact with NPCs beyond talking to them. Right. You can, like none of the NPCs will do anything for you in town. You have to pay the, bar, the like the bartender or whatever yeah. the tavern master. The bartender will charge you, and it seems to be random. Between one thousand and one hundred thousand is the range I encountered. <laughs> Gold to restore your reputation. Yeah. Or leaves. Yeah. I guess your leaves. The money's called leaves. Um, uh, and, and speaking of the sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> speaking, speaking of the hunter, she's one of my favorite characters because she's a Pokemon trainer. She um, so the warrior just fights the NPCs himself. She you can rec- you can capture every mo- well almost every monster random monster in the game and then they fight for you and you can either have her just use them in regular battles or whatever or whenever she provokes one of the NPCs during her side quests and stuff that's what she has to use to fight she has to use all of her monsters fight and some of those monsters are incredibly strong there's a giant sheep there's a giant sheep or goat or something and like the second second onion ring or whatever that you go to that can heal you and it's like a full party heal 100%. Nice. I mean her abilities are like game breaking. But that's that's how you do all the side quests. Well I've really liked it because it actually for the first time in a JRPG made the thief useful. Yeah. Yeah. First of all when you're stealing in combat it actually shows you the percentage likelihood that you will succeed before you do it. I love that too. Oh my god a thief skill that has use and using brave points increases the percentage and the enemy HP going down increases the percentage. But I went through the game just stealing everything from every NPC. It was great. Yeah. Uh, And then you'd encounter mini quests right? Yes. There's little side quests. You encounter characters with side quests. Now, side quests are all kind of the same. They either want a specific item, or they need specific a specific rumor that you've heard, or in rare cases, they want a specific NPC. Because they're all based in front on these path actions. Yeah. So you're using these characters' actions to fulfill requests. But I like that the game didn't gate it. You can actually Correct. get the item that somebody's looking for before you ever meet the person that mm-hmm. needs it. You can collect the rumor that somebody wants before you ever meet the person that wants it. And you know what I liked is that they don't tell you at all how to do it. Yeah. You talk to the person, they tell you what the problem is, and then you have to use your own logic as a human, as an intelligent human being. To figure out... To figure out which of my character's abilities is going to let me accomplish this. And some of them you can actually... Some of them you can actually do in multiple ways. You can actually accomplish them in different ways. You know what else this game has that I like? Job system. Love the job system. I love system. a good job system. I don't know if this is necessarily a good job system, but it's okay. Oh, I thought it was great. I thought it was great because what I ended up doing was... So I picked my four characters, and then I gave those characters... The, the alternate job the jobs of the other four? The ones that I was <laughs> That's what I did, too. Scattered okay. around the world are job shrines. There are eight regular and four special job shrines. The eight regulars, you just walk in look at the altar, and you've unlocked a secondary job. Only one character can have a secondary job, a particular secondary a job at a time. Job, yeah. So, like, only one person can double class as the merchant. Yeah. And obviously the merchant can't do it themselves. But, so you get a whole second set of abilities to spend job points on, which is great. You also get stat boosts. Doesn't matter if the job's even a good fit. I ended up making Ulbricht the warrior part 
traitor because yeah. it's what I had left. Right. Yeah. I really wanted him to have one of the special job classes. I just never got around to it. But it gave him access to two more weapons that he wasn't able to use right. before, and it boosted some of his stats. Yeah. The issue I had with the job class, the super special job classes are rated for level 50. I tried to get one of them at level 50 multiple times, not even close. Mm -hmm. The last chapter of each character is rated at level 45. So by the time you're strong enough to finish out all of the character stories, you're still not strong enough to get this ultimate class. Yeah. And by the time you've reached that point in the game, you've accumulated so much GP that any job you equip, you will immediately max out. Right. So JP stopped being worth anything to me about halfway through the game. Yeah. Because I maxed out everybody's both jobs, and then I was still building up JP for jobs I couldn't have. Yeah. So that's why I say I it's mean, an it's, okay it's system. It's for a completionist thing where you have like all eight characters mastering all eight jobs. But there's not... Or 12 jobs. To my knowledge, there's not a benefit to mastering a job and then cycling in a new job. They don't retain There's anything. There's not, no. Yeah. It's just for diversity. Whereas in other games, the, you hey, retain something for mastering a previous it's job. It's for the cute costume. There's no point to keep switching jobs. Find one you like, master the four it, special jobs. I never got any of those four special jobs, but uh -huh. um, they seem to just be a, um, like, in-game thing. Yeah. Like I after wanted Albrecht to get the one that lets... It's a warrior specialization that would have let him have... All eight weapon types. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and there is, I mean, there is, which I haven't done, but I <coughs> doubt you've done either. The the uh, after you finish all eight characters' stories, the special a, dungeon. There's a special dungeon and all yeah. of that, and I guess they're just specifically intended for that. I suppose. I loved the job system. I didn't feel like I needed any kind of super special jobs because yeah, but all of my characters were already so effective. I, I liked it, it was okay, but like I said, about halfway through the game, like, that's it, I've, I've used it all, I'm going to use it. Now, I'm not, I'm not upgrading anything, I'm not changing anything, I'm done. Now it's just using the abilities I've acquired. Yeah. Um, but yes, the ability to use those abilities on NPCs is fantastic. Uh, the Scholar and the Apothecary have the ability to learn complex, detailed history, which is one of Russ's and favorite And that is parts. my favorite... Thing about this game, you would not believe. You can go around to every NPC that you're capable of talking to or using this path action on, and they have a backstory. <coughs> What's, every what I found weird is they couldn't give them all names, but they gave them all backstories. Yeah, they don't all have names. They're just townsperson. But here's her life history. But some of the backstories are just so. My favorite <coughs> ones in the whole game. My favorite dogs. one in the whole game. <laughs> Is in the town where you get the thief, where the thief starts, there's three guard dogs. And the three guard dogs have, have more intricate backstories than NPCs in most other JRPGs, especially the girl. One of the dogs is a girl. <laughs> her backstory is that she, like, had to come to this town and leave behind her lost love. <laughs> and then one of the other dogs' backstories... Is that he does? Is that he's a really nice person, <laughs> and that he doesn't want to be a guard dog, but like, but because he's like a Doberman or whatever, that this is just like the the lot that he got in life, and he's really miserable. He's like, <laughs> just, are you okay? I don't think I'm gonna be okay. okay. I absolutely lost it when I found 
those dogs. There is a and so many of the NPCs okay. have that. There's oh, there's a lady in the town with the apothecary, and she's one of the strongest NPCs that you can fight. And her backstory is like, this woman has been through some shit. It's like she was like she used to be like a pirate queen or something, and then she was like. She was this super strong woman, and she's this unassuming old lady. And then you listen to her backstory, and it's like she is maybe the strongest lady in the entire world. <laughs> and then, so I got that, and then I'm like, okay, what if I try to provoke her into a fight? And her rating <laughs> was like absolutely the max rating, and it was still towards the very beginning of the game for me, and I was like, Let's just see what we can do against her. And she, like, one-hit killed my hunter. Yeah. It was... that. Yeah, that is, like, my favorite thing. Um, the game is a bit Skyrim-esque. In that there's fast travel and so, so many NPC little quests. You could really... And so many optional dungeons... I, I went through only a couple of optional dungeons because nobody was telling me to go into them. Yeah, you do just go into them of your own sometimes, sense of exploration. Sometimes you'll just find a random boss in there and some treasure chests. There are some quests that are tied to them, but it's yeah. actually rare. Yeah, I, I found one where just, I found a rumor. Yeah, most of them you just go into because you... It's there. Yeah, it's your sense of exploration. Uh, now, what about the unique look of the game? Yeah, it's definitely retro. I think it's very pretty. It's HD 16-bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very pretty at first, and then I stopped caring after a while. Like, well, the novelty wears off. Yeah, the novelty wore. Although I did, I encountered a glitch where trees in the foreground oh, wouldn't fade out. You, oh, well, I, so I couldn't see where I was going in wooded areas until okay. I restarted my switch. And then it happened again to me later. I encountered one with, maybe it was the same thing. I encountered one where I was in a forest and I was running mm -hmm. in, I was running up or whatever. And it didn't, the camera didn't move with me. So my characters were like away in the background. Okay, I didn't have that. And then I was trying to run back to the foreground and my characters like stayed itty bitty. <laughs> I, I and had, I did have to re restart it. That I way. had where I couldn't see my characters because the screen looked like this. Okay, and because it was moving through trees. So to its credit, if you're going to have those kind of glitches, it does auto save every time you change screens. Yeah. Um, that's all I've got for innovations. I'm sure we're missing some. Uh, for example, Primrose had the ability to seduce allure. She could allure. allure yeah. NPCs to join your party as a summonable creature. And that's why I never used her or the cleric because they have the same kind of ability is because I didn't find that useful at all. I found it incredibly useful because I used Primrose for a very specific purpose. Primrose has a special dance that she does that has mysterious effects. Oh, yeah. It hurts you almost more often than it helps you. But if you use three brave points on it, she will do four mysterious dances. And one of the things the dance can do is boost your XP or your JP that you get from that battle. Anywhere between two times and a hundred times. <coughs> so, basically, Primrose's purpose in my party was every combat, do that dance four times. Now, some of the things she does is your party all has one hit point left. 
Your party is all poison, and poison in this game sucks. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Your party is all silenced, you can't use abilities. Your party drops all of their items. I would do this on bosses, and sometimes she would summon a creature that would heal the boss back to full health. Sometimes she would summon yeah. a monster that would one-hit kill the boss. It's a very unpredictable dance, but I'm going... And I got times 100 XP once on a Kate Sith battle. And the Kate <laughs> Siths are the, the bonus... Yeah, they're the metal they're, they're slimes. They're the metal slimes. You get a ton of XP if you can manage to kill them. You get a ton of everything. You get a ton of money. All my characters jumped up like 20 levels in one combat yeah. because of that. But since her job was just building up BP and dancing for the most part, always having a summonable person was useful because she would summon a person at the beginning. Then on her turns, where oh. she was just building up BP, somebody was still going out there and doing moves. That's and you could pick. You could... If you paid attention to who you were recruiting, you could pick somebody that would buff your party, or debuff yeah, the enemy, right. or attack with certain weapons, or poison the enemy. So if you picked who you who you allured, it could actually be pretty useful. That's interesting, I, and I can see the use of that. <coughs> I never used it because I had the hunter, and because you she had has Pokemon. she has a team of ten Pokemon, so you can you can keep like ten monsters. And I would pick ones that could blind an enemy or could silence. I mostly picked the status ailment monsters. They would do damage plus do a status ailment. And then, like, that big-ass sheep <laughs> that just, like, healed my <laughs> whole party. All right. So let's go ahead and move into music. Yay. So now we're going to talk about music, our... Um, favorite part that we have the most knowledge and information about. Um, the composer was Yasunori Nishiki, um, who just worked on minor stuff for Konami, and this was their first big project. And the music was... Eh. It was just... It was just RPG music. It, it wasn't that great. I found it very repetitive. I felt like it had two or three themes that it just mm -hmm. constantly used. You know what I did like and notice, though, is the battle music changed as you peel back the onion. I did not notice that. Yeah, the battle music changes as you go, as you finish, like, your chapter ones, and you go out into chapter two, three territory, you get different battle music, and then you get different battle music as you go out to your, to, like, your chapter four towns. I did notice that. But in the story elements, it's the same the two over, or three the, songs over and, the, and over oh, and over story, again. Yes, yeah, in the story. Uh, it was, it was fine. It was fine music. But if I can notice that you're overusing the themes, you're really overusing the <laughs> themes because I barely pay attention to music, and it stood out to me like, oh, it's this again. I did feel like I noticed the music a little bit. I feel like each areas music really fit the atmosphere like you have the very gentle like when you're up north like when you're up north in the in the snowy town or whatever you have this very when you're gentle, in winters when you're in winters basically you have this very gentle it did kind of remind me of winters um but then as you go further north in the snow and there's like a blizzard everywhere there's almost no music and it's just like and you're just like so freaked out by the blizzard. <laughs> um, so I think the I think the I think the music fit very well. Okay. I don't remember I don't remember really any tracks from it, and I don't know if that's so much just because it's a new IP. 
I think yeah. new IP is going to be the theme of my closing thoughts, actually. Yeah. So, I guess we're going to go do that now. I like that you said that it was repetitive like most of the game. It was effective, but repetitive. Effective, but repetitive. <laughs> So the, the short version is that I did really enjoy this game. I really enjoyed it. It, um, it, um, it It's funny because I definitely trashed on Final Fantasy Mystic Quest for being so bare bones that it was excruciating to play, but kind of laughable to make up your own story. Um, in this situation, it's kind of the opposite. It's not really the opposite. The story was good, and then the, the, the individual character stories were good, and then the battle system was spectacular. But despite all of that, it was an RPG in its purest form. They took all of the most base elements of an RPG, and that's all they gave you, but what they served you was done very well. It was like it was like eating a it was like eating a, a meal at a fine restaurant like a very fine dining exclusive restaurant and they give you this little little bitty tiny piece of steak and it is absolutely delicious and wonderful and you will like remember that meal for a long time but it didn't necessarily fill you up because there just wasn't a ton of it so you liked what you had but you kind of wish there had been more um and that's kind of the best analogy that I can I can say for this game. I give it a a B plus. I absolutely hate not giving it an A. I had perhaps unrealistic expectations for this game. I feel like a lot of people had unrealistic expectations for this game, but that's because one of the developers in an interview before the game came out actually said the words, "Oh, it's a lot like Final Fantasy VI." And it is not like Final Fantasy VI. It is like Romancing Saga, which most like non-Japanese players don't know because Romancing Saga did not come out in the West. Um, so I feel like those were other people's unrealistic, unrealistic expectations. I think mine were just thinking that it would implement rudimentary things from the Super NES era, like having your party members actually talk to each other that it didn't do. So at the end of the day, I can't give it an A, but I give it a B plus. It's the best score that I can give it because I did enjoy it, and I do recommend that anyone who likes RPGs to play this game. For my notes in the music section, I wrote, I found the music to be effective, but repetitive like most of the game. And that kind of sums up my feelings. I'm a story guy. The character stories are solid. They're really good. The fact that they don't tie together at all is a glaring weakness that... I don't know what the reasoning is for that. Like, they could have fixed that. They could have put in some more effort to tie some of the character stories together. All of these characters are on important personal journeys. And then, oh! There's a random person. I'm going to help them. I'm going to take a break from my important personal journey to help them with their important personal journey. And then we'll go forward and we'll just take turns doing our stuff. It's strange. Maybe if it hadn't been eight characters and if it had been, you know, four, five, maybe we could have tied it more together. 
that was a weakness for me. Especially since going through each character's story is so repetitive. It is the exact same pattern. You're just ticking off boxes until you get to the next talky bits, which is where the good story lies. I agree with Russ, the combat was great. I don't have complaints about the combat system. Uh, having the, the job system stopped working for me halfway through because I maxed it out. Yeah, I couldn't get the special hidden jobs, but I couldn't get those by the time I was ready to beat the game. And I'm sorry, in today's day and age, I've got, I've got 15 other games i got to get to playing. I don't, I don't have the inclination, nor the desire, nor the time to 100% complete a game. So maybe you can give me a little extra content closer to the middle of the game? I give the game a B, but I give it that with this in mind. If a version of me from the future was to show up and say, by the way, Octopath Traveler is the first game in a franchise, I'd be thrilled. Because this is a very solid start. They got a lot of things very right. And I would love to see them take all the things they did right and then improve the things they did wrong for Octopath 2. Right? It's like going back to Dragon Quest 1 or Final Fantasy 1. Those games are not perfect. But they established foundations that became great in later iterations. And I feel like that's what this could be. Even though at this point there's no guarantee that Octopath Traveler is actually the beginning of a franchise. If it were, I, I would actually probably boost this game's rating. I would give it a B plus or an A minus if I knew for a fact that it was the beginning of something even better. But judging it on its own, it's a good experience. If you like JRPGs, it's fun. It's worth playing. I will probably, well, I'm going to say that I'm going to go back and revisit it one day and unlock more stuff, but who knows nowadays. There's so many more games to play. Um, but I am, I am open and willing to the idea of going in and playing more, even though I beat my main character stories. So, uh, I enjoyed it. You'll probably enjoy it. It's just, it's not quite there yet. Well, there we go. That was Octopath Traveler. Do you know what is the beginning of a great franchise? <laughs> what is the beginning of a great franchise? Crazy Rich Asians. I recommend that everybody go see that movie and they just announced that they're doing the sequel. <laughs> did you expect that at all? Did you no. did you see that coming in any no, way? No, I expected Sailor Moon RPG. Oh, I'm kind of over that. Thank God. So Go see Crazy Witch Asian. I picked the next game that we're playing. And I'm not sure why, but I picked Lufia 3 for the Game Boy Color. The Legend Returns. So, it'll be the first time that we've done the third game in a series, and it will be Lufia. Um, and it'll be our first Game Boy Color game. Yeah, I don't know how, how much of that I'm looking forward to. But you love Lufia. Oh, Lufia 2 was fantastic. Well, this is going to be Lufia 3, so it's going to be even better. Sure. That's how numbers work. Because That's why Final Fantasy XV is the best Final Fantasy. <laughs> it is the best Final Fantasy. Those beautiful boys oh are the best thing that ever All right, we're going to see you guys next time. Bye, before Russ gets into Bye. his fanfic. Bye. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> My God. <laughs> so...
Russ and I continued talking about Octopath Traveler yeah. after we finished the review. <laughs> and we've changed our mind now. No. We have, we have noticed something, though, that makes us a little inaccurate. So, um, so neither one of us has beaten the game in, ter in terms of going through that final bonus dungeon or yeah. completing all eight characters. I've only completed I, two Chapter 4s. And I completed all four of my Chapter 4s, but Russ was coming into town and we needed to do this review, so we did it. Um, but as we were comparing notes, we realized something that we said was inaccurate. The stories aren't tied together. But it turns out they are. every character story is tied to another character's story, albeit somewhat loosely. The apothecary character was, as a young man, healed by this apothecary that came to town, gave him this rare cure, didn't charge anything, just said, hey, I saw a good need, deed that needed doing, and I did it, and that's it. And that became the apothecary's mantra as he went out into the world. He wanted to be like that guy. His whole story is going out in the world and trying to be like that guy. And at the end of his story, he encounters another guy who says, Oh yeah, I actually knew that apothecary. His name was Graham Crossford. Uh, he brewed up this thing, this cure for his wife, but his wife died before she could take it, so he gave it to some little boy, and that's the apothecary. And when I mentioned that to Russ... I said that I followed Tressa the Merchant as my main character, and her, the conceit of her whole story is that she gets a diary by an unknown author and who's been traveling the world, and she decides to continue the diary and write down her own travels. And at the end of her story, like all, like all through the, her story, the mystery is like, who wrote this diary? And I had my speculations going on as she met different characters who wrote this diary. And then when they reveal the person that wrote the diary at the end of her chapter, it's this guy named Graham Crossford that had that doesn't have like any bearing on like you didn't meet him during her story. No, and the apothecary story has, makes it clear Graham Crossford's dead. Yes, he died right. years before. But it's like they say this name, and that has no bearing on like anything that she's done in her quest. Yeah. In but both then, cases, the name is dropped like it's supposed it, to be a big deal. Right. And for both of us, we went, eh? But then Except I'm like, turns that out. sounds like the story of the guy that wrote the diary that I think is supposed to be more meaningful than any meaning that I got out of it. So it turns out that... Two of those two the, stories the are guy that loosely he, yes, connected. That the guy, the apothecary Meslo boy, and the diary the merchant is following is the same dude. Now, also, I know that Therion's story, at the very end of his story, goes, oh, by the way, we're guarding these things because they opened the gates of Fenrir. Yes. He's and the at the very end of Albrecht's story, it's like, why did you set all these things into motion, you villain? So I could own the gates of Fenrir. And that's it. That, that's, that's all the mention in either one of those. And those two do tie into the ultimate dungeon at the end, the secret dungeon. Now maybe Graham Crossford's wandering around that secret Graham dungeon. Graham Crossford probably is. <laughs> Graham, it's probably like, yes, it's probably like you're... Don't get too excited, it's probably not. <laughs> Don't get too excited, it's probably not. I want to meet Graham Crossford now. I don't think he's dead. Um, and then two other stories that we know tie together. Cyrus and Primrose both deal with people with crow, crow tattoos. tattoos. Yes. Because um, I played Cyrus up to chapter 3. And I beat Primrose. And they start in Primrose's story. Yeah. They're part of hers. So it appears that every character story is tied to another character story. So we were inaccurate about that, but... 
That said, even if the special dungeon somehow tied them all together, that's still not enough for me. Like, my general feeling still stands that it's, it's, it's nice that they start, that they apparently tied very loosely two characters together. But the fact that Graham Crossford, for example, Graham Crossford saved this kid's life once and wrote a diary. Their two stories still have nothing right. to do with each other. Well, maybe they do in the final dungeon. See, now I just have to, I mean, now I just have motivation to complete the rest. I so. don't. Oh, I do, yeah. I have, I have so many other games we have to play. Well, I'm significantly limiting the games that I play, so I got time. You have many games you still have to play. No, I do for our reviews, but okay. I'm saying in terms of, like, <clears throat> for fun. Just for fun. So, uh, I just wanted to add this to the end of the review so that we're accurate. Wow, yeah, it anyway, was kind of neat to find out that they're tied together, but those loose ties, and even if, even if the final dungeon somehow ties all eight stories together, somehow, loosely, it's still not what I was looking for. Which is, I want these stories to grow together organically, not at the end be told, oh, by the way, it was the same story. <laughs> like, sorry, I realize I'm whispering and there's a mic. Yeah. At the very end going, it was the same story. Like, that doesn't do it for me. I want to see them come together. Yeah. Because the story is very much, I have a deeply personal story. Oh, hi, random villager. Do you have a deeply personal story? Let's go take care of your thing. Right. And then I'll get back to my quest for revenge. Or whatever. That feels forced. And then, like Russ said, the characters don't interact after that point. No. They, there's, no. Now, there is actually, like, a weird party banter button. Yeah, there's party banter. After certain key events, it'll say, push start, and you'll get to see two characters talk about an event that just happened. And that's but nice. I, I like that. But I want the middle more. of yes. I yeah. want to happen in the middle of the story. So despite this new revelation, as fun as it was, I think it was just a fun revelation because it wasn't even like me uh, experiencing it on my own playing the game. It was just talking to somebody about it and, and being finding like, out that sounds weirdly familiar yeah. to that diarist. But it doesn't. It doesn't change anything I said about the game. Yeah. It doesn't change my scoring, and it doesn't change my desire for more. Uh, but I do want to be accurate in what we talk about, so yeah. there you go. Uh, this review is now really done. So now I give it an A plus. No, I don't. I don't. Give no, it it's, the same. it's the same. It's the same. So we'll see you guys at Luffy and Three. All right. Home on the RNG is a presentation of Mad Centaur Productions. You can find Jeff on YouTube.com/slash Centaur Productions or on Twitter at Jeff Centaur. You can find Russ on Twitter at RussMac25. Thank you for listening, and remember, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this podcast with you.